to really have my own NBA jersey and to see my name on the back and it was not nothing that I bought or anything like yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> that was like, you know, that was like dream come true. I was like mission accomplished. Welcome back to another episode of Mavs Archives, part of the Mavs Podcast Network. Today, I'm here with former Mav Chris Wright, who played with the Mavs in March of 2013 and is now playing professionally in Poland. So he's joining me all the way from London on his uh, on a break during his season. Chris, how are you doing today? I'm great, Mike. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm excited to be here and uh, looking forward to the interview. Absolutely. And I'm excited to talk to you. Like like I was telling you before we kicked off here, you know, I haven't talked to too many Mavs of recent years. So that, that'll be a, uh, you know, it's something that I'm definitely excited about. I spent a lot of time talking to Mavs from the, some in the eighties, uh, a lot of nineties Mavs, and then, you know, early, early two thousands. So this, this will definitely be kind of a, a treat for listeners just hearing about more, more recent from, from a more recent Mavs. So, but before we get into your Mavs experience, one thing that I really like to do is when I'm talking to uh, talking to a former Mav, is just find out how they got started playing basketball. So I know you grew up in Maryland. You know what initially got you started playing the sport? Well, um, to start, I have an older brother. My brother mm-hmm. is older than me, and he was. You know, we're we're a sports family. My father played college football. Oh, and, cool. Where did your dad play? My dad played at Lafayette uh, College in Pennsylvania. Cool. He played, you know, in the 70s. He played in uh, 73 to 77. He played there. So, you know, just having that kind of background in my brother, I just wanted to do whatever my brother was doing at the time. You know, he was he was a big-time athlete and was very competitive, and I just wanted to be like him. So, initially, it started with football, and then, you know, we got into basketball, and I'm be and, and I just love basketball right away. And I've been in, and and also because of the area that we're in, um, actually uh, being in the Maryland area, the PG County area, DMV, DC, Maryland, Virginia, Northern Virginia area is such a basketball dominant community that it's almost inevitable that most kids are going to play basketball. So that's kind of how I started. You know, everybody's dribbling basketball, everybody's playing basketball. It's just that's like the culture of what we do out there. So. It was kind of something that was just going to happen naturally, organically. That makes sense. So did you grow up in the same basketball circles as like Kevin Durant, Michael Beasley in that area? Absolutely. I grew up with Kevin, Mike, um, Ty Lawson, Austin Freeman. Quinn Cook is like a little brother to me. Uh, We are from the same community, all, all from the same county. So we all grew up in the same gyms playing at the same time, you know, like Nolan Smith, who's now a coach at Duke, mm-hmm. uh, Kendall Marshall. Um, we all grew up. We had a really crazy, <laughs> crazy crop of kids that were from the same community. So um, it always made for a good competition and fun times. That's that's really neat. Yeah, I, I was wondering that when I uh, when I was doing a little bit of research on you and um, I figured that, you know, you guys grew up in the same circles. Did you compete against any of them at the high school level? Yeah, yeah. Most of the guys I, I definitely competed against. Um, Mike, eventually, Kevin, you know, Kevin bounced around a lot. So Kevin, Yeah, that's true. Yeah. 
So I didn't really get a chance to compete against Kevin. By the time he came back to uh, to Maryland, he played at Montrose, and Montrose was a uh, was kind of an independent school, so they played just against at that time. Ravens Vasquez, who played in the NBA, was on that team as well. Yeah, I remember him. He went to um, he went to Maryland. Yeah, another yeah. great Maryland player, uh, and then played in the NBA for a good time. Um, they 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 were kind of independent, so they just played against the top teams in the school, especially because they had Kevin. You know, um, so they played against all the top programs in the country and all that stuff. So I didn't get a chance to play against him. But Nolan Smith, we were actually teammates in um, in high school. Uh, also, I played alongside Dante Cunningham that played in the NBA for some time. Um, I played against uh, Ty Lawson. We were in the same conference. Uh, played against a couple other guys. You know, and then uh, not to mention guys that were younger than me that I didn't get a chance. Victor Oladipo is another guy that's from our, our area. So... It was so many guys around that you you know I'm sure I'm missing some that just through Rodney Magruder who plays for the L.A. Clippers now. Um, he's another one that's from the that I played against a lot. I literally played against him every year in high school. Yeah, so it's so many players that, and I'm I'm sure as as I keep thinking of more. Yeah, <laughs> man, that's that's really cool because you know a lot of times when I'm talking to to former players, I'll ask them about you know a little bit about their high school experience and and if they competed against any. Uh, you know, other NBA players and, you know, sometimes the answer is no. And, but sometimes it's like maybe one or two, but I mean, I feel like you just named maybe like something like seven or 10. So that's pretty cool. And that's just in the, the direct area that I'm from, you know, that's not yeah. from any other counties or anything like that's from <laughs> within like a 10 mile radius. That's, that's really impressive. Um, trying to think if, if I know I've talked to any other players from that area, um, the only one, I mean, he's significantly older, but I did I did an episode with Walt Williams. Walt Williams is from, uh, I'm from the same neighborhood Walt Williams is from. He's from Temple Hills. That's oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah he, he was awesome. Um, you know, he played for the Mavs back in like 2003, but, uh, you know, he, he was just a, a really fun guest. And I, I enjoyed watching him when he played here. And then even in his years prior to that, whenever I was able to catch any of his games on TV back on like the NBA on NBC days. I remember watching Walt Williams play. So, uh, well, Wayne was, is probably arguably the greatest, uh, university of Maryland player to ever, to ever step on the court. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's, uh, that's pretty cool. So I know you had a, a successful high school career. Uh, I found a list online of, you know, all the, the parade, all Americans. I saw your second team along with James Harden and, several other guys you went to the uh, mcdonald's all-american game um and you also won the three-point contest at the mcdonald's weekend correct yes yes that's pretty cool what was your uh, whole mcdonald's all-american experience like for you it was great man it was different you know it was it was it was a dream come true you know as soon as you get there you put your back ours was in louisville kentucky and it was it was it was crazy to me it just everything was happening so fast you come in, you got to sign like 200 signatures and you got to take all your pictures immediately. You get your McDonald's All-American bag and, you know, it's just everybody, all the top talent around the country. By that time, you know everybody because you've been p- competing against everybody on the circuit. You know, it's a good time to be around. But some of the West Coast guys, you don't you don't know because maybe they're on some other circuits or they're late bloomers or whatever it may be. Some guys you just don't know. Like I didn't know James Harden before the McDonald's All-American game. I didn't know. I knew who Kevin Love was. I knew Kyle Singler, a couple other guys because they were on the Nike circuit. But James, I don't think he was on the Nike circuit. I, I'm not sure. Um, 
And um, so it was just a great experience, man, just beating all those, you know, just being around those guys. A lot of them you know. A lot of them you're friends with already. That's the beauty of the game and how it's evolved. Um, but it was it was very uh, – it's a very prestigious thing to be a part of as a high school athlete. And, you know, you obviously got to do the Ronald McDonald House and um, you have a lot of little – just little things that you have to meet and do. Um, and you meet a lot of great players. And then also meeting the older committee – uh, Morgan Wooten, who was a legendary, who you know, rest in peace, who just passed away, I think a year ago or so, um, is a legendary um, figure for the McDonald's All-American game. He coached at DeMantha High School. He was a legendary coach at DeMantha High School mm-hmm. in, in Maryland, and he was on the committee. So this is one of the reasons why I was selected, you know, pretty easily because I play, I always play really well against DeMantha. <laughs> And he, he saw that and I was able to, you know, and I was there with him. So it was just a great experience, man. One of my teammates, my college teammates, Austin Freeman, was there with me as well. Nolan Smith was there, Jerry Bayless, and Derek Rose, and Nick Lathis. It was, it was a slew of talent. Kevin Love, Mike Beasley. Um, man, it was pretty fun. It was a great experience. The Jordan Brand game was awesome, too. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, so you, you got to compete in, in t- both of those. That's That's pretty neat. Uh, where was, was that? Is that always held in Chicago or? Uh, at, that time, at that time, it's crazy. It's like, it's, that was 2007. At that time, it was held in Madison Square Garden. Oh, cool. It was in New York, you know. It, so it was, um, we had dinner with Spike Lee and Chris <laughs> Got to meet Michael Jordan. And, and it was a whole bunch of the entertainers and rappers and all that stuff. They were literally in your hotel playing video games with you video games with you talking trash and all this stuff. <laughs> it was it was a fun experience so you wrap up your high school career 2007 um what was the recruiting process like for you was georgetown at the top of your list all along or was did you ever think you might end up somewhere else in terms of your college career <laughs> my recruiting was pretty wild because i originally committed to north carolina state to north carolina state going into my junior year um, Archie Miller, who is now the head coach at Indiana, uh, recruited me heavily at uh, NC State. And Herb Sendek, who became James Harden's coach at Arizona State, was my coach. Was who you know who was a coach at North Carolina State. And um, Cedric Simmons was there. I don't know if you remember him. Cedric Simmons. They had uh, they had some other play. Gavin uh, Julius Hodge was a, was a big name at the time. I remember Julius Hodge. Because I know he played it for the Nuggets for a little while. Yes. yes yeah. Yeah. Cedric Simmons played for the Hornets. Um, okay. OKC or something. He was a big man. Okay. Big. And um, so I originally committed to North Carolina State, and I was and I was excited to be there, but it was just a lot of pressure. One thing about North Carolina and that Tobacco Road, if you're not winning, it's tough to be in that atmosphere. Mm-hmm. You know. And they they were, you know, the North Carolina State fans, the Wolfpack fans, they have very, very passionate fans and they care very much about their program. And they, um, unfortunately, it, it was time for Herb Sendek to make a change. And he left and he went to Arizona State. And uh, he left and went to Arizona State. And that's when I reopened my commitment, I mean, my uh, recruiting process. And I actually thought about going to Arizona, but I'm like, man, I don't know. That's too far, man. You know, that's... <laughs> You know, I've, I've <laughs> all these things over here and all this stuff. I don't need to go all the way over there. So um, so I opened my uh, recruiting up, and then basically 
came down to Villanova, Wake Forest, and Georgetown. It's a funny story about each of those schools that, uh, so Villanova, when I went on my recruiting visit to Villanova, at the time they had Kyle Lowry, Randy Foy, Mike Nardi, Alan Ray, um, Curtis Sumpner. They had a great team. Mm-hmm. And, and I saw Randy Foy against Oklahoma score 40 points on my visit. I remember that. Oh, wow. And I'm like, and, and my dad, he couldn't make the, the trip with us. I think my brother had some, he has, I think he had a game or something like that or something was going on. And um, it was just me and my mother. And I remember telling, I was like, yo, I'm about to commit right now. I love the way they play. They play fast. They, the guards, they, he lets the guards go. You know, Jay Wright was there. Jay Wright is a great personality. He has all the charisma. He, you don't even know he's finessing you and he's finessing you. <laughs> you know, Jay Wright is the man. And so I just loved the I just loved the culture. They were very, you know, it was a family oriented type of situation. And I was ready to commit. I was ready to commit my, you know, and I called and I remember, you know, I said, wait a minute, let's let's just hold on for a second. Let's make sure I go through all my visits and see what I like and then come back to it. And Jay Wright told me, I, I never forget this. And Jay Wright was like, look, Chris, I don't know, you know, I, I see that you want to commit. If you want to commit, I advise you to pull the trigger on that because I think I'm going to have a kid that's coming in tomorrow the next day after me that's going to commit on the spot you know and i'm like ah you know but i did want i really was intrigued by wake forest and i was intrigued by georgetown and i didn't pull the trigger and corey fisher committed the next day oh wow (laughs) (laughs) so that's that's crazy right yeah that is yeah so wake forest the same thing kind of happened and that time skip prosser rest in peace was still alive and I hit it off with Skip Prosser. Skip Prosser was a great guy. And they had Ish Smith, who's now still in the NBA now. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, he was there. He is a great guy. He was, you know, he was like, come on, Chris, commit, da, da, da. James Johnson, who plays in the NBA now, was going, was, was committed that day when we got there on the visit. Like, yo, we're just waiting on you to commit. We're just waiting on you to commit and all this stuff. And I was like, man, I still got one more visit. You know, I want to take this Georgetown visit and all this stuff. And he was like, all right, but listen, man, you we, we want you here. You know, we want you here and all this. And Skip Prosser basically said the same thing Jay Wright said. He said, if you don't commit today, I think this guy that's coming in from Indianapolis is going to commit tomorrow. And that was Jeff Teague. And he oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and he committed the next day, you know. Yeah. So, you know, so and then I, at the same time, I still had the strong, very strong consideration. And, and not to I, I forgot to mention, North Carolina State was still heavily in the picture because they signed uh, Sidney Lowe as the head coach. And I love Sidney Lowe. He was a great, great guy. He was mm-hmm. he was on me. And it, and it really came down to those four schools. Mm-hmm. And, and I can honestly say Sidney Lowe was probably who I had the best relationship with at NC State. I just didn't see the. I don't know. I just didn't feel the pieces were there. And then when it came down to it at the time, Georgetown was, was home. It was a chance for me to come home. It was a chance for, I mean, chance for me to stay home. It was a mm-hmm. chance for me to play in front of my family. It was a chance for us to make a final four run because they had just went to the final four the year before with Jeff Green and Roy Hibbert and, and that group of guys. And Roy Hibbert was coming back. Jeff decided to go to the NBA. So it was a it was a great opportunity, and I was home, and the buzz in the city was crazy. I was coming off a, a great high school career. I literally would have to go like, like five miles away from my high school. That's what it came down to, and that's how inevitably I chose Georgia. And I just wanted to be – I knew the culture and the history of Georgia, and I wanted to be a part of it. Um, and that's how I ended up choosing Georgia. 
That's that's really neat. Yeah, you know, obviously you made a great choice. I know you had a great four-year career there. Had some great games. Uh, you know, I'm not a I'm not a huge college basketball fan. Um, you know, I, I keep an eye on it a little bit throughout the year, but not not too terribly close. Um, are there any particular memories about your college career that that stick out more than anything else? A singular game or or anything like that? But Syracuse, man, anytime we went to Syracuse, played at Syracuse or played them in the Big East tournament, we lost two times in, in the Big East finals, once mm. to West Virginia and once to Pittsburgh. And, and, you know, during that time, which I called the old Big East. Was this uh, the Dewan Blair Pittsburgh teams? This was, yeah, this is Dewan Blair, Sam Young, LeVance, that team, those teams. Brad yeah. Warner, those teams were, those were tough, physical athletic talented teams and jamie dixon was a head coach that big east we would send we would have probably 10 teams that go to the tournament every year and and it was crazy so every game you got you, you playing against uconn pittsburgh UConn with kimball walker hashim Thabit, and aj price and stanley robinson jerome dyson then you got pittsburgh the next day with dewan blair and you know sam young and those guys and then you got uh then you got Syracuse with Dante Green and Johnny Flynn and Wes Johnson, those guys. Then you got <laughs> – That's crazy. It goes on and on. Louisville and the talent they had over there, the talent that was at um, – I, I know I'm missing some team. I said Pittsburgh, Georgetown, Villanova, not to mention Villanova, and they had Scotty Reynolds and all their crew. You know, it, it, mm-hmm. every game was highly intense, highly competitive, and and very important it's like it it was it was a really dynamic situation to be in when you see it now when you see the big east now compared to what it was now the big east now is still very strong and has some good teams in it um has some really good teams in it and i love the competition that's in the big east they play hard and you know um i love it but it's just completely different from from when i was there and the 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 just the level of teams and the it was tough man every night was tough I mean, you go to you think South Florida is an easy game. They got Dominic Jones, who's the leading scorer in the league, and he's you know play, he played for the Mavs. Yes, he did. Yeah, he did. <laughs> he was the man. He yeah, was the man, you know, and he's a tough cover. If you have, you know guarding him was not easy. You know, Providence had Marshawn Brooks. You know. Oh was, wow! Yeah. You know, it was every night was something. It was a battle. You had Notre Dame had Luke Herringody and those. It was crazy. It was crazy. Every night was a war. So to single out one game, I, I don't think I could do that because it's just so many battles that we had to go through, man. Competitive, competitive, competitive. Sometimes I just look at my coach like, come on, coach, give us some easy games. Goodness. Yeah. <laughs> like, you can't be doing this every night. You know? Right. Yeah. So your college career wraps up in 2011. Um and you you go undrafted in the 2011 draft, and your first professional stop was in Turkey. So I know that's where your your multiple sclerosis diagnosis happened while you were while you were in Turkey. Can, can you go into how that happened and and what your reaction was and and just how that all unfolded for you? Just to take a step back to give you some background information sure. on that. Um, when I was my senior year of college, I broke my hand with six games left in the season. 
and I broke my hand and we lost six straight games, ended up having to play UConn in the first round of Big East tournament. That's the year Kimba Walker went on his crazy run in the NBA. Now, fast forward through that, I played in the NCAA tournament. I was supposed to, I was supposed to be out for maybe three more weeks. I still played and we lost to VCU and, you know, it just wasn't a good, we just didn't finish the way we would like to finish. We had high hopes for that season, but unfortunately injuries are a part of the game and that's what happened. Mm-hmm. And um, so after that, I had a sinus infection. Oh. A sinus infection, crazy sinus infection. And I still had 14 workouts. And I had 14 workouts with a sinus infection. And I just I did what I could. You know, I'm not, not to make any excuses, but I wasn't my normal self. Mm-hmm. And uh, I go undrafted. That's the year of the NBA lockout. Yes, that's right. So there's no summer league. There's no camps you can go to. There's no discussion. That's what NBA lockout. There's no discussion after the draft happens on, I think, June 25th. Then after that time, until further notice, there is no communication from any any NBA representatives and agents and players and anything. There's nothing. Everything is caught. That's when, you you know, LeBron and all these high high uh profile guys started playing in these crazy pickup games over the summer Mm -hmm. and um so during that time it was not my plan to go overseas I I wasn't you know if I didn't get drafted you know which I was hoping to get drafted if I didn't get drafted then I was going to go you know summer league I had an opportunity and see what I can get in the training camp if not training camp then do the G League and you know try to work my way up into the NBA but I wasn't I didn't even you know, it's crazy. I didn't even get that opportunity coming out of college because of, you know, because of the, the lockout. So when mm-hmm. the lockout happens, everybody in the NBA, a lot of guys, not everybody, it's a lot of guys starting to go overseas because they want to play. So it's like Darren Williams goes overseas, Ty Lawson going overseas. Yeah, I remember so, that. So j- jobs are very, very few and far between. <laughs> <You know? laughs> And you know now you as a you're you've been through your whole life now it's time to make some money you want to make some money you want to play and all this stuff you got an opportunity to become a professional now that's looking like really you know really really uh, small window so it was a very 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 interesting time period when I came out of a college mm-hmm. it was very fragile to say the least and so when I got a job to Turkey making good money I'm like okay might as well take it it was in the middle of nowhere Turkey. It was in Edine, Turkey, Turkey, which is right on the uh, is on the border of Bulgaria, and um, it was in a small city, but it was a top level Turkey ball, and it was it it, it it seemed like a good situation at the time because there was no NBA, um, so I went out there. I had a crazy coach, man, crazy coach. <laughs> was, he was a nut job, like he just. He, <laughs> I mean, he was on me from day one. I don't even, I've never had issues with coaches in my life. You know, point guards usually are extensions of coaches. I've never had an issue with a coach. I'm always usually on the same page with a coach. This guy was like, I was like his worst nightmare. You know, I'm like, okay. And so what happens is um, the season just goes crazy. The season just goes crazy. And it's a lot of ups and downs and da 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 da. And I start off the season really well. And I actually hit a game winner in my first professional uh, game. I hit a game oh, that's winner. neat. Yeah. And then, like, five games later, I'm I'm playing well, and I'm averaging maybe 16 points and six assists or something like that. And, you know, we're a surprise team. We beat some teams that we weren't supposed to beat. 
and the uh, and this is kind of the first thing, the first roller coaster of the season that really kind of, you know, was contribution to me having multiple sclerosis. I think uh, because it's a stress disorder, like anything, stress is when stress accumulates, all your body breaks down. You know, mm-hmm. your body breaks down and things happen. Um, my 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 coach called me into his office like, Chris, I want to talk to you. He was like, I don't like the way you're playing. And meanwhile, we're 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 a surprise team right now. We'll probably be three, four, and two or something like. That. We're doing much better than expected. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't like the way you're playing. I don't like what you're doing. And I think you need to shoot the ball less. And I think you need to uh, get your teammates more involved. But you know, six assists may be a little bit too high. I think you're you know you're using the ball too much. Your ball usage is it's, it's a little too high. That was kind of the vernacular. Mm. I'm not saying it verbatim, but that's kind of yeah. Know, I'm like, what? Okay. You know what I'm saying? So we play against a team called Tofash, and they had uh, their point guard. I don't know if you remember Ronald Steele. Ronald Steele played at Alabama. I don't remember. I don't recognize that name now. Ronald Steele was a big time player at Alabama. He was a point guard. Probably should have left after his first or second year, and then he had some injuries. And playing against him, and it was actually the same team that we played my first game of the season that I hit the game winner on. And I'm going through the game, and I, uh, and he he and he's like, yo, what's up, man? Why you not you know you not being aggressive there? I was like, the coach, you know, say he wants me. This how he wants me to play. So, you know, I'm I'm doing what the coach is saying, man. He's like, well, thanks a lot. You know, he said you 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 helped me out today. I'm like, I know I am. You know, <laughs> and so we ended up losing the game by like four points. The coach comes in the locker room and says, hey, everybody, good job today, except for Chris. Chris didn't want to play today. Chris didn't want to shoot. Chris didn't want to uh, be aggressive today. Chris didn't really get his teammates involved. So when you get back, you got to shoot 3,000 shots. <laughs> wow. Now, let me tell you, we are probably eight hours away from our home. And we drove there because the coach doesn't like flying. So the game is in the evening now. So we drive back in the middle of the night. So we get back probably four or five. I mean, the game's probably like four or five in the afternoon. And so we probably get back, I don't know, in the middle of the night sometime. I had to stay there and shoot 3,000 shots. (laughs) 3,000 shots. (laughs) One of the assistant coaches in the middle of the night after getting off the bus. 3,000, not 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 shots. And I have teammates that can attest to this. (laughs) So things like that, I think, eventually matriculated and, and compounded to a lot of stress that I was going through. And mm-hmm. just being on my own um, for the for the first time in my, you know, my career and my life. And um, yeah, and one day I was shooting. Uh, I was shooting before practice, getting some extra shots up, and then I just noticed like it was a tingling sensation in my right hand, and then it, and it just flowed through my right body. And then next thing I know, I felt. I felt, uh, you know, I couldn't feel anything on the complete right side of my body from my feet up to my shoulders. I couldn't, I'm touching myself and I couldn't feel it. And uh, it was, you know, it was, it was alarming. It was an alarming time. It was an alarming situation. I told the coach and, okay, sit out of practice today. And then the next day is when I went to the, to the doctor and they said, you know, uh, they actually told me just take the day off and see how you feel tomorrow. And the next day, when I tried to get out of the bed, I could not get out of the bed. I forgot about it, tried to stand up, and I collapsed to the floor. 
and I fell to the floor and I literally couldn't walk. I had wow. to over to a phone and um, call one of my teammates to come and help me because I couldn't, I couldn't pick my feet up. Couldn't pick my feet up. I didn't have the strength. I couldn't even, basically it's, you know, you're telling your body to do certain things. Like right now you can tell your foot to move or you can just move your foot and stuff like that. I couldn't do that. It was a disconnect there. And um, so when they took me into the doctor again, they told me something that nothing was wrong. And I'm like, I came in here in a wheelchair. You keep telling me nothing is wrong. So, you know, I went on a little rant, <laughs> a little crazy to, you know, to get some, okay, okay. We'll, we'll, and then they sent me to a specialist in Istanbul. And um, that's when I was clinically diagnosed with gross. Wow. And that's how it happened. So then that ended my first season. And to be honest, when a doctor came in and told me that I had multiple sclerosis, I, I was like, uh, I was like, what is that? I had no idea what it was. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Multiple sclerosis. Well, I, don't, I don't even understand what that is. I don't even know what that is. I'm like, is that some, I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what was going on. And then I looked it up on the internet. I'm like, wow, this is pretty mm-hmm. intense. And, um, so it was a shocking, but I was never really scared. I was more just shocked. Like, how can this be that I have multiple scrolls if I'm running and jumping just yesterday, perfectly normal, you know? And um, so, yeah, so that was my initial uh, thought process on what happened. Yeah, that's, thank you for sharing your story behind that. I, I'd read a little bit about your experience with it online in preparation for, for our interview today, but you know, I didn't read all, all of that. So that was, uh, th- thank you for going into detail about that. Um, <clears throat> so, so that happens while you're in Turkey was, and then at, at one point, some doctors were telling you that you weren't going to be able to play again, correct? Several doctors, about three or four doctors, um, told me that I wouldn't be able to play. You know, I need to choose a new career path or think about just because they, because no one had done it before. No one was physically has physically played professionally um, with multiple sclerosis. So there was a, a little bit of uncertainty on if that was a possibility, if, you know, if I would be able to, my body would hold up and, um, you know, if I would be able to go through the rigors of a season while being, a, you know, having multiple sclerosis. And mine was severe because you're clinically diagnosed with, with what they call lesions. Mm-hmm. Lesions can be in your, in your brain or it can be on your spine. And when you have like three or four, some of them can be, it's like light bulbs. Light bulbs, if a light bulb is, is lit, then that's saying that's an active lesion. If, it's, if the light bulb is off, then that's an old lesion. That's something that's there in the past and it's not really active anymore. It's just a dead lesion. And I had eight or nine of them that were actively lit. And if you have three or four of them that are lit, then you are clinically diagnosed with MS. Mm. I had them in my brain and in my spine. So... Mine was a little bit more, um, you know, they were a little bit like, wow, you have more than <laughs> what will even be clinically diagnosed as MS. Wow. That's, I can't imagine. Um, I'm uh, obviously, you know, I, since all that happened, you know, I know you took a few months off to get the treatment and all that, but then you were able to come back and play. It was while you were with the Iowa Energy that you were called up to the Mavs. So that's obviously the point of your career I wanted to, to focus some more, some more time on. So, you know, that had to have been some, some great news when you got that call that you finally made the, 
the NBA. I know you did do a uh, training camp with the Hornets in New Orleans at the time, but what was that? How did that, uh, that call up happen? You know, like what were you doing when you got the call and what was your immediate reaction that you were going to be coming up to the Mavs? So I was in, uh, I was in pregame work, work, uh, workouts for my team with the Iowa energy. We had a game that day and probably like, you know, an hour or so. And I went through a pregame workout with one of the assistant coaches. And I came back to the locker room. You know, anytime your agent calls you, you kind of like, oh, shoot, what happened now? You know what I'm saying? And I had like four or five missed calls from my agent. I'm like, what in the world could possibly be going on? <laughs> and I'm so I'm like hesitant to call him back. He's like, hey, Chris, call me when you get a chance. I'm like, okay. You know, um, so I called him. He's like, you did it, man. You did it. You did it. I'm like, did what? He's like, you did it. You're going to Dallas. Pack your bags. You're going to Dallas. I was like, for what? He's like, <laughs> he's like, he's like, uh, the Mavericks just called you up. I just got a call. Just got a phone call. You, you got, you got a ten day with the Mavericks. I'm like, what? And he's like, you're playing for the Dallas Mavericks. You're in the NBA. I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So at the time, I'm thinking like, I, I'm like, so should I? Uh, so I don't, I shouldn't play tonight, right? I don't. <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah. When am I leaving? What should I do? I don't know exactly. You know how this go? What's the next move? It's like it's up to you. If you want to play, you want to play. I said, no, nah, I want to play. I want to play for the Mavericks. <laughs> you know? And so I came. You know, I told the, my coach at the time, who's now assistant coach with uh who's he's now assistant coach with the with the philadelphia 76ers i told him i was like uh coach i just got called up to the Mavericks. i just got called from my agent so you're gonna have to scratch me out <laughs> the game tonight and he was like oh wow that's great da, 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 da. you know so that's how it happened and then the next day i got on the plane and i met the team in san antonio mm-hmm um, because that night they were playing Milwaukee Bucks, and then they had a game. My first game was it was a TNT game against San Antonio. That's uh, that's really funny. One thing that I, I I haven't talked to too many players that you know have just done one like one ten day contract. What is like your day to day life like while you're on a ten day contract? That's something I wanted to ask you before we got more into some Mavs talk. Just like what is a uh, What's your mentality like? What's your routine like? Like, what kind of accommodations do the team provide? How, how does that work when you're on just a, on ten day? Well, they put me in a hotel, um, not far from the gym. Um, it was nice. I, I, I mean, I, I, my my whole thing coming into the process was like, if you get in the game, give the ball to Dirk. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that was my whole philosophy. Yeah, and live in the gym till further notice. You know, I, I was it, for me, it was a dream come true, especially at the time that, you know, dealing with all the stuff that I was dealing with. I, I was just I was so excited to be there. I didn't care if I got another 10 day. I didn't care if I got another day. I just wanted my jersey. I wanted my locker. And I was finally able to say that I had played in the NBA. You know, mm-hmm. that was my dream. So I wasn't going to do anything at that time to to mess it up. I was just I was more just I was literally in the gym probably four times a day, you know, because, wow. because they told us that we can have a fob and, you know, you can get the, the Mavs locker room, you can get in the locker room and then you can get on the practice course. So I was on the court all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, Daryl Armstrong can attest to that. I was literally in the gym 
just working on my game, just working on my game, working on my game, working on my game. And then after the games, you know, if you don't play, it's a rule. If you don't play like more than 15 minutes or so, you got to do like some extra cardio after the game and stuff like that. Which is oh, cool. wow. Yeah, I had no problem with mm-hmm. you know, doing sprints and all that stuff. But I didn't care. I just wanted to be in the gym anyway. You know, I'm a gym rat as it is. I love being, I love, I'm a basketball fanatic, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? I love the game. So finally being at that level and being able to, to have my own jersey with my own name. I've always made customs, you know, it was always a thing. I always, my, my, my pops will always give me NBA jerseys. I was a big Allen Iverson fan, so I would put right on the back and stuff like that. To really have my own NBA jersey and to see my name on the back and it was not nothing that I bought or anything like yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> that was like, you know, that was like dream come true. I was like mission accomplished, you know, especially now with everything that I'm going through. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I was I was I was excited, I was happy, I was grateful, and I was proud of myself for sticking with it. Absolutely. That that must have been a dream country, like you said, uh, which is really cool that, that it happened here. So, you know, you were only here for that brief period of time, but you know, what were your impressions of guys like Rick Carlisle or Dirk or, or Vince Carter, who was a, a, a Mav at the time? All those guys. Rick Carlisle was very, um, very stern guy. He obviously mm-hmm. knew the game. Um, he used a lot of timeouts. That's one thing I remember. Him. He used a lot. <laughs> Anytime somebody, I feel like they score four points in a row or something like that, he's calling timeout. <laughs> That's one thing I do remember. He used his timeouts really well. If, mm-hmm. you know. um, I think Dirk was one of the greatest people to have come across because he was just, he was so to be such a mega star and to be so down to earth. Um, was was crazy to me you know what i'm saying he was he sees me in the gym he's like, all right come on chris let's play horse you know let's play first person make five threes and stuff like that dirk was just a really nice guy and he was like where you he was like when he first found out, he said oh you from d oh i love dc dc is one of my favorite places that we go and visit you know um vince carter was vince carter was great he was always trying to help me and always just trying to show me you know just tell me things and he was just such a there was such great people um, that's what I liked most about it. Like, it, you know, it wasn't like, you know, sometimes you may come into an organization or come around new people and feel nervous. They make you feel right at home. Mark Cuban walked up to me the first time he said, Hey, Chris, welcome to Dallas. Happy to have you here. Congratulations and all that stuff. So it was like, it was crazy to me. I'm like, these people are multi-millionaires, 10 time all-stars and all this stuff. And they treat me as, as, as an equal, you know? So, um, I was really pleased and, and, and happy to know that, you know, despite all the, the accolades and all the amount of money that they, they have attained, they were still very humble and down-to-earth people. And I can literally say that across the board from Sean Marion to Vince Carter to Dirk Nowitzki to, to Mike James to Elton Brand, you know, they were all, Jay Crowder was a good guy, man. They were all great people. Well, Rick Carlisle was a great guy. DA is probably the funniest guy I've come across in my life. <laughs> uh, uh, so it, it was, I enjoyed my time there. And it felt longer than 10 days because I was just so in, involved. And we had a lot of games in those 10 days, to be honest. Um, like we went to, we played on Atlanta. We played Brooklyn. We played Oklahoma City. We played, uh, did we play? We played the Celtics, I think. You know, we we played. We had so many games in those days. Um, 
that we're moving, we're on the plane a lot and stuff like that. So it, it was a great experience. And every single guy, I sat next to Mark Cuban on the plane and he was, he's a funny guy and he's, you know, his plane is amazing and stuff like that. So, and the facilities were amazing. I just, I have nothing, I could never say anything bad about the Dallas Mavs organization. It was such, it was a, it was class act from day one. Well, that that's really cool to hear. And I think you've shared similar uh, just I've heard things like that from, from other guys that, that came here maybe just for a short period of time, whether it was a, a couple 10 days or just a, uh, a season or something. But everyone seems to have uh, really positive things to say. I did want to ask you about your first game against the Cavs. Um, you got in for, for the last minute and, you know, drove to the lane and, and, and made a layup. That had to have been a really memorable, memorable moment for you, just getting into your first game, scoring right away. Um, do you still have the the ball from from that night? I wish, man. I don't know where the basketball is. <laughs> oh no, I thought I thought I read somewhere that Darren Collison had had given it to you or something. After the game, um, Rick Carlisle gave me the ball. Coach Carlisle gave me the ball, and uh, I don't know. I probably went in the gym and started shooting with it. I have no <laughs> idea. What, I don't know, man. That's what I'm trying to tell you. I wasn't even into that. I was just trying okay. to beat it. I yeah. Have no I have no idea where that basketball is. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I do. Now, you know, as you know, I I'm playing this is in my ninth season now. I wish I yeah. did. It'd be good for my, you know, my collection, but I have yeah. no, no clue. <laughs> I don't no, know that's... if I have it at all. I don't know. Yeah, no, that that's funny to hear. Do you still have your, your Mavs jersey? I have my jerseys. I have all my jerseys. Yeah, I have all of my 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 mother has all of those. Oh, nice. That's awesome. So, so yeah, your 10-day contract ended and, you know, it wasn't renewed. And since then, you've, you've just kind of been traveling the world playing, playing basketball. So, um, you know, you said you spent several years in Italy and now you're, you're in Poland. Um, <clears throat> what is just your, your – I know you had some international experience prior to this, but over the last several years, you've just been playing primarily international ball. What has that experience been like for you and your family? I know you have – some young kids have they gone with you from country to country or how has that how has that worked so it's been great for me um at the time that I, I got called up to the Dallas Mavericks I was having my first child um my son was born in February and I went to the Mavericks in March if I'm not mistaken yes and, it was uh, March yeah yeah, and I would became I was the D-League all-star at the time so it was during all-star break and I literally saw my son being born. I flew out the next day to go to Houston for All-Star Weekend. And um, and since then, I, you know, I, I grew up with my mom and dad and my brother, and we were very close. And I was fortunate. My parents have been married for, shoot, now 36 years. So I was very fortunate with that, and I, and I wanted to resemble that. So my family has been with me everywhere I've been. Um, and now I have, I've been married going on five years now, and I have uh, three children. I just have my, my daughter is, is now four months. I had a daughter back in September. Oh, congratulations. In, in Poland. Thank you. In Poland. And, um, and I have my, my daughter, my son is seven now. My daughter, Charlotte, Chris Jr. He's Chris Jr. Then my daughter is Charlotte, right? She's uh, turning four in actually a week. And then my youngest is Camilla, Camilla Wright. And she is, um, she's four months. And then my wife, we've been, I've known my wife since 
I was 13 years old. She was an athlete too. We played, she played basketball. She played college basketball. She even coached college basketball. So um, we have, we're a sports family. <laughs> we're a strong sports family. And yeah, so we've been able to try. We, we lived in France. We lived in Lyon, France. We lived in Israel. We lived in Italy for five years. And now we're in, uh, we're in Poland. So yeah, I've been blessed. I've been able to keep my family together and, um, <laughs> move around with them and expose them to different cultures and different people and different languages. Absolutely. Would you say your kids are like bilingual or maybe your son since he's older? My son understands Italian a lot. Yeah. He understands <laughs> Italian a lot. Um, my daughter does as well. And uh, my it's crazy. My daughter now, since we've been in Poland, she understands Polish. Like, it's wow. Like, what? <laughs> I still don't know. I barely know how to say hi. You yeah. know? <laughs> It's crazy. Um, it's crazy what kids pick up on and how quickly they process, uh, you know, different information and how their, their brains work. But um, yeah, my kids definitely talk like English, like they're Italian, like they're like they're Chinese. They even say "Mama Mia" and all that stuff. So it's funny. But um, no, they definitely, you know, probably if we if I was to go back to Italy for another year, they would they would my son would probably be speaking Italian pretty easily. Wow. Um, um, so, you know, that's another reason why, you know, speaking just <clears throat> going off topic a little bit about the Kobe Bryant situation kind of hit so hard <clears throat> because we've been in Italy. And and if you know anything about Italians, they're very passionate. And you can tell that Kobe experienced Italy through and through. Italy runs through him, you can tell. And, you know, his father was a professional basketball player, mm -hmm. you know, as a <clears throat> playing in some of these cities, you hear all these stories about Kobe Bryant and how he was as a young kid um, and about him, how he was running around in these gyms and stuff like that. And I, and I started thinking about my son. I'm like, dang, that sounds like my son. And, you know, so it kind of hit home. Kobe Bryant and Italy is always going to be a special place for us. Oh, yeah, I, I can imagine. And, yeah, that was a really sad situation. Um several weeks ago when that happened. I just got a few more questions um, for you. N not too many. And thank you for your time, Chris. I I've really enjoyed this and, and learning more about you. So how much is, is multiple sclerosis still something you're dealing with or is it in remission? Like how much of a impact is it having on your, your career today? Uh, it has, it has its, its ups and downs. It has its good days and bad days like anything else. Um, I think uh, one thing for me is that there was nobody before me, so I'm the blueprint, you know? I'm the blueprint on how to handle this, how to handle the good days, how to handle the bad days. Mm -hmm. uh, but for the most part, I, I would say just being so active and, and really, literally your mental, controlling your mind and having a positive outlook on things has played a major role for me. Um, also, changing my diet. I went more to a plant-based diet. I don't eat meat. I don't eat pork i don't eat anything like that i, I, I try to limit my dairy mm -hmm. um, like i'm you know stuff like that so that has helped me tremendously it's given me more energy um finding protein and other and other uh foods and stuff like that and mushrooms and, and and chickpeas and and nuts and berries and stuff like that has has helped me tremendously um and just just managing my lifestyle managing you know stress levels and stuff like that um in terms of remission yeah it's in remission until you have another episode <laughs> right <laughs> so yeah it's in remission until something happens um 
and that's pretty much what what goes on. But a lot of times, you you, you never know when things going to happen, so uh, it just it comes on sporadically. So you know, I deal with it the best I can, and and uh, for the most part, I've been doing pretty well. I had too many episodes since my initial episode, so I've been yeah. Blessed. No, that, that's good to hear. Um, now, I did come across something online um, yesterday, and I was trying to find it again. You you do host some MS-related like charity events or speaking engagements like that. Is that something you do back in, in, like, in the D.C. area in the off-season, or is it an annual thing? I did read something like that. Yeah, I, have a, I had a charity game, and I had a, a bowling event um, that I had, and then I also donated some money to... Uh, couple causes out here from that I raised from from my foundation and uh you know so yeah I do have I do try to do things to 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 help people and to keep the awareness of multiple sclerosis alive because there is a lot of people that just don't know about the condition um you know there's a lot of other conditions that get a lot of awareness and rightfully so and rightfully so it's just that a lot of people are not aware of multiple sclerosis and the effects it has and how it can probably be in remission in a lot of people that just have no idea. Um, wow. So, and that's what's scary about it. Like you think sometimes, oh, my foot fell asleep when I'm just sitting here. That can be a sign of multiple sclerosis. Hmm. You know, you know, it's a lot of different triggers that can show up and it's different in each person. Um, so, um, yeah, I try to do my part. I try to do my part in trying to help and try to, as of lately in the last couple of years, I haven't been able to as much just because I've been very, very busy and trying to yeah. do things in the past couple of years and having kids kind of takes a toll on that as well. Oh, I can um, imagine. I've just got the one, but uh, yeah, he definitely takes up a lot of our time, but it, it's yeah, still pretty so, great. But I definitely, you know, it's part of my mission is to do is to help others and, and be an outlet uh, and some type of inspiration for others that have, that are dealing with similar conditions. Um, so, yeah, I do things. I have a foundation and it's Chris W. CW Foundation. And, um, yeah, we look to, to help out and, and be an outlet for people. Well, that's really uh, that's really great to hear. And I'm glad to hear that, you know, your your treatment goes well and you haven't had too many episodes and you're still able to play the game you love at a, at a really high level. So that, that really makes me happy to hear that. I've just got one final question for you. And okay. this is uh, usually how I like to end these conversations. So what I'm looking at right now is the box score from the first game you played with the Mavs. Um, I'm just looking at the Mavs portion of it only. There's 12 names on it from guys that played in that game along with you, including you. I wanted to see if you could name the other 11 from everyone else that played that night. On the Mavs. On the Mavs? Yeah. Darren Collison, Jay Crowder, Brandon Wright, Sean Marion, Mike. Uh, yeah, Marion, it looks Sean like, Marion did not play that night, but I mean, he was on the team, obviously, but yeah. Yeah, Sean Marion didn't play. Um, did Rodrigo Bobois play? He did. Okay. Um, then you got, did, did EB play, Elton Brand play? He did. Okay. Um, Dirk played. Yes, he did. Uh, what's that? That's eight right there, right? Okay, who am I missing? Uh, Anthony Morrow. He did not play that night. Amo didn't play? Okay. He surprisingly didn't play that much while he was here. I remember being excited when we acquired him, and he just, for whatever reason, never really cracked the rotation. Um, and then he, he went. Did. Yeah, so. Okay, so Amo didn't play. Um. 
Hey, who am I forgetting? I got Mike James. Did I said Mike James. Yeah, I said Mike James. Yeah. Jay Crowder. Um, Jared Cunningham was hurt. He was, yeah. Yeah, he did not play. Okay, Jared Cunningham was hurt. Wow. You trying to you trying to you trying to get me here. Hold on. <laughs> you got five or four more. Um, we've already mentioned one of them uh previously. I mentioned one of them previously. Uh, Vince Carter. Yeah. Didn't say Vince. Um uh then three more. I'm trying. I'm trying. You know what I'm actually trying to do? I'm trying to remember where people were sitting in the locker room. <laughs> That's usually, I, I hear that a lot actually from whenever I, I do a little quiz. Usually, if the guy's here with the whole te- the whole season, I'll just uh, ask them to name like the roster for that season. But um, for you, I just I thought maybe your first game. Um, yeah, let me see. Let me see. Hold on. I'm almost. I almost got it. I almost got him. There was out. one guy. He may have been like in your high school class, and and a pretty big name. Oh, oh, my guy, OJ. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah, Mayor. Yeah. That's my man. That was yeah. my high school class. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, Sarge. Yes. Sarge. Yep. And then um, just one more. And this guy actually, he did make one All Star game in his career. Made an All Star game in his career. Uh. Spences, Brandis. He made an All Star game in his career, and I'm missing him. You might not know. I think he's a forgotten All Star, but he did make one. <laughs> Is there any other hints that you can give me? I don't want you to give me a name. Um, he was a center. Haywood. Haywood wasn't on the team. No, no, not Haywood. No. Um, he was a center. Yep, he played his college ball somewhere in Michigan. Maybe like I'm not exactly sure where it was. I know it was in Michigan. That was 2013, right? Yeah, 2013. He was an All Star in 2010, so he wasn't an All Star that year. And um, I could tell you the team he spent most of his career with. It was not Dallas. He played. It was with the Clippers for several years. I said Elton Brand already. Yeah, you did. Okay. He was a teammate of Elton Brand's. He only played five minutes in the game that night. <laughs> oh, oh, he's probably the funniest German I've ever met. Chris Kamen. Yes, yes, Chris Kamen. Yes. I remember <laughs> that. I remember he was a funny dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Chris Kamen. Okay, yeah, I got it. I got it. Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, that's usually how I like to end these. So, you know, uh, I just want to say thanks, Chris. You know, you were – so responsive but when i reached out i mean we got this all coordinated in like two days which was awesome so i really appreciate you you giving me your time today no problem man thank you i appreciate you reaching out and uh, you know i know i had a short time but the dallas mavericks will have a lasting impression on me and and my family and just you know it was so anytime i could be a part of anything with dallas i i appreciate it. and it's crazy because i'm from washington dc uh maryland area and we don't like anything with the Dallas Cowboys or anything. So, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So yeah, uh, it's 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 ironic that we I have a connection with something in Dallas, but you know I I, I really appreciate it, and um, you know I'm always going to be a Mavs fan. Oh well, well that's good to hear. <clears throat> so uh, 
All right. Well, uh, I hope you enjoy the rest of your, you know, the break from your season and, and good luck the rest of the season in Poland. I, I wish you and your family nothing but the best. Thank you. Have a good one.